our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Hello, today's Thursday, which means we're bringing you Girls at Startup, a weekly series where we spill the tea on how to create a seven-figure side hustle because no one saves their way to wealth. You're joined today by Sim, a seven-figure business owner, and with me is Maya, an entrepreneur in the making. Hello, Maya. Kilda Sim. How are you today? I am fabulous. I've had a very, I'm an extrovert. That's how we friends. No, I've had a very social week and so like the past five days I had my whanau over I had my mom and my sister and I had dinner with a friend yesterday and I have whanau over next weekend oh this coming weekend so the next three days I'm really just going to hibernate I'm going to recharge my battery so that I can go out and be a little social butterfly again but I'm, I'm feeling good I am so impressed by you that's insane <laughs> Yeah, I love having people over. You do. You are like the best host. Like, guys, this is how nice Maya is. So Maya and her partner don't have coffee in the house. It's just not something they want in the house. It is. We don't drink coffee. They don't drink coffee. Yeah, we're crazy. No, I think it's just healthy. And I, you know, I come over one day and I'm just like, you know, being my usual self. And I'm like, I'm just looking for something to drink. Just like going through their drawers. And I was like, oh, like, do you have coffee? And they go, no, we don't. And I was like, that's fine totally okay like I'm not it wasn't fine guys her face dropped (laughs) my face always drops I it was fine it was like there was tea there was caffeine there was something in the house to drink look there wasn't matcha but that's a different story I actually would like matcha well there's a really nice matcha place off gray street that I always go to after I visit you like where you took me to that one time? The bubble tea place? No, it's the cafe. It's like bird or blue or something. Two birds. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> Great cafe. <laughs> I just go there after I visit you. But anyway, they're so sweet that they ended up buying coffee and putting in your house. You might, you might be like, that's not that big of a deal. No, Maya's partner was so like anti having coffee in the house. It was like, no, <laughs> no coffee in the house, no <laughs> caffeine. And they ended up having it just to like – be nice to the people like me that's <laughs> no literally I had been saying even before you suggested it because I want to you know provide people with 
drinks when they come over, different kinds of teas and things like that. Sometimes some normal milk because I'm an oat milk, almond milk gal. But you're not the first person for our engagement party. One of our friends, she came over because she knows we don't have coffee in the house. She came over after. So we had our engagement party somewhere else. And then afterwards, everyone came back to our whare to continue the party. She went home made herself a coffee and brought it over in her keep cup because she was like, these people don't have coffee. It's like a BYO, but for caffeine. Yeah, and normal milk. (laughs) I get that. I don't think anyone has normal milk unless like there's someone that actually drinks it. I don't, because it just expires. You wouldn't just keep it there normally. Yeah, but I'm glad. Please come over and drink the coffee because it's still there. We don't drink it, but... Now, if you come to my house and you're a coffee drinker, there is some coffee that I didn't know how to choose which one was good. I just went with a mid price point and I was like, this isn't super expensive. It's not super cheap. It's gold. Cute. Is that the Macchiano one? I think so. I love that brand. Oh, perfect. There you go. Thank you for that. Someone was like, that's the brand my mum drinks. I was like, okay, what's wrong with that? Yeah, Your mum has good taste. Your mum has good taste. She had you. <laughs> Anyway, let's get into the episode. Yes. So this week we are talking about how to know when to give up on your business idea. Now, this is going to be a really tough episode because it is so hard. I am naturally someone, I would like to say I don't give up easily. It's been one of my Mm -hmm. strengths, but also one of my weaknesses. It is really good to learn how to persevere, how to have grit, how to keep grinding, look at the bigger picture. But it's also really important to know when your efforts are, you know, not accumulating It helps you avoid burnout when you can learn to let go of things. And I've been able to say that I have started many amazing businesses, but I've also learned when to let go of a business idea. Sometimes it's been let go in the idea phase. Sometimes the product exists and I've let it go since. It's all about trying to understand what's right, what works for you. I've let go of a business that once made me $50,000 in a day. And there's reasons Mm. behind it. There's so many things that we can talk about. So let's get into it. Yes. Well, my first part I for you, Sim, was what business ideas have you given up on? But you've just listed a few. Was there a particular business that you stayed in longer than you should have? Oh, Girls Invest? I'm kidding. (laughs) <laughs> I'm Please don't leave. <laughs> I, uh, that's a joke. So I, I have to be honest. I am someone that gets bored easily. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I've had to learn <laughs> that I need to play to my strengths. A lot of business owners like myself are people that are really great at going from zero to one. We are so good at getting an idea and being builders and putting all of our energy into growing that business, but then we struggle and we are not good at sustaining a normal range business. And I'll be honest, it's a struggle that I have with Girls That Invest, like to grow it from zero to a million dollar company, fantastic, easy, honestly, piece of cake. I could do it in my sleep. To sustain a successful business, this is when I'm getting external help. This is when I'm reaching out to mentors. This is when I'm asking people, how do you not get bored? And how do you make sure people are getting value and you're providing new things and exciting things to them? So in terms of an actual business that I held on to for a little bit too long Mm -hmm. and couldn't quite let go of, I would say I had, I've probably talked about this before, but I had an accessories company. So I've had a few of those. Mm -hmm. This was an accessories company that was making 
really affordable sunglasses. It was right. completely online. It was doing well. And I realized I just didn't, and you might have heard this in a previous episode, but I realized I just didn't care for fashion. As I've said multiple times, I don't have. She doesn't have a passion for fashion, folks. I don't. I mean, mm-hmm. look, please, it's it's understandable. And yet I stuck to that business for, a, I want to say like three months longer than I needed to, which meant, and you might be like, that's not that long. That's three months of, because it was just myself doing it, three months of creating fashion content, three months of doing a mm. fashion newsletter. <laughs> Don't laugh. Three months <laughs> of like trying to do customer service to clients that I didn't even understand because I wasn't in the fashion business. I mean, mm. I'm choosing fashion accessories and being like, which one's the best sellers? I don't know. Do you think I'm the right person to be choosing this? And so this was an example of a business. I didn't have my heart in, but because it was making me money, I wasn't ready to let go. Oh, okay. And so you stayed in purely because it was making money. Oh, well, yeah, you didn't have a love for it. How did you know when to leave? When it started to feel like a chore, because you'll Mm. realize if you're in a business or even a job where the money is good, but you don't, feel like you're making an impact, you don't enjoy what you do, you don't really feel aligned to it, eventually that passion will start to feel like a chore and it stopped being interesting to me. And like when friends and family would buy from it and be like, hey, I'm supporting you, instead of feeling excited, I would feel guilt because I was like, I'm not even enjoying what I'm doing and people are supporting me in this and it's doing so well. And so I just had to honestly sell it. I put it up online on a like marketplace where you can buy and sell businesses and I was like please someone take this off me let me go buy a car (laughs) yeah that's fair and do you have any tips for people who may be feeling the way that you were feeling at the time to kind of help them identify when is a good time or a right time to cut your losses a hundred percent I think the first thing to consider when you are deciding is it time to let go of my business? Is it time to quit? We have such a emotional attachment to businesses that we have like no business doing or having. Like it is so intense, the emotional investment that you put into your ideas. And there's this thing called confirmation bias where we sometimes only seek positive feedback for our business. And so we have this false pretense that it is better than we think it is. I mean, are you really going to look at the person who's like bright eyed and super excited about their business and it's terrible branding and it's a terrible product, but they're just so like excited to do it. How realistic are you going to be and say, Hey, that's, that's not going to work. You're going to be like, Hey, give it a go. So it's important Mm -hmm. to know that our friends and family, amazing people, we love them, but we don't take business advice from people that don't have businesses. That's always my rule. Mm -hmm. We don't take money advice from people that don't have money. You don't take health advice from people that don't have like health backgrounds. It is just everything about it that don't live the values that they're talking about. Mm. So understanding your emotional attachment is step one. It is really helpful to be like, okay, the feelings that I'm feeling Yes, they are valid to me, but they may not accurately represent where I'm at. People say things like, my business is my baby. Yeah. Are you going to kill your baby? No. Are you going to quit on your baby? Probably not. Like, Mm. If you use words like my business is my baby and then someone says to you, 
throw that baby out the door. You're not going to do that. No. And yet those are the emotions you're attaching to a limited company. Right. So then how can people create those boundaries for themselves with their businesses? I think it is so important to just constantly check in with yourself. You might not feel like this is something you need right now, but I always say to myself and my team, like, I love the work that we do with GTI. I think it's amazing. It's impactful, but we're not saving lives. Let's remember what we're doing. We are super fun. We're super exciting. We're creating amazing content that sure is changing people's lives. And I stand by that. But if we don't exist, no one dies. Like we are not doctors. We are not on the operating Mm. table. And I think it's not humbling yourself, but it's remembering the importance or maybe the lack of importance of what you do because it just, it's really good to put it in perspective. I love my business. It has given me more opportunities than anything else has. But if I didn't have my business, I still like who I am as a person. I still like the value I am as a human being the productivity outputs that I have in other ways don't have to be measured by this one thing. Cause if as soon as you like measure your personal success or your value of mm-hmm. yourself as a person on a business, mm-hmm. you are setting yourself up for failure because you will then say, if I quit on my business, am I quitting on myself? Mm. No, you're, you're quitting on one idea. I mean, like the best business owners in the world had hundreds of business ideas and dozens of businesses that they tried and failed like do you think Elon Musk's first business idea was Tesla absolutely not Mm -hmm. do you think Russell Brand's is that who he is Richard Richard yeah so he's a guy that has Virgin Airlines he has Virgin Records they do a lot of things I think they're also a telecommunications company but he started his first business was a paper run like they were a newspaper for like college students and it didn't really do that well and then a second idea was like vinyl record stores where they would sell vinyls and cds and stuff and then he realized that wasn't enough and then he pivoted to like signing people onto his records and then he had the airplane idea like there were ups and downs imagine if he just stayed to selling cds in like his i don't know local area in the uk and just was like, no, this is what I have to do. And I am not allowed to quit it. And I'm not allowed to pivot. Now you might be listening and thinking, okay, I'm hearing you, mm-hmm. but how do you know when it's time to consider? Yeah. Like, what are the factors that you should be looking for? There are five things that I have on my checklist when I say, all right, Simran, give it up. And if this meets I would say even three of them, that's when I have to quit. It doesn't have to be all five. We don't have to wait till we're like, you know, uh, what's <laughs> hanging on, <laughs> hanging on by a thread. The first, which I've kind of touched on is market feedback. If there is no interest or demand from potential customers that are outside of your immediate friends and family for one year or more, that is when I would start considering wrapping it up. This is going to be different for people that are like, okay, but like there's some interest, but people aren't sure yet. That's different. If there's interest and you can take their feedback to improve your product and service, that's amazing because that means feedback means that people are interested. They just need tweaks. Okay. We we like that. Mm -hmm. But if no one is engaging at all, you're getting no website traffic. Crickets. Just crickets. Mm -hmm. And it's coming from people that are your target customers as opposed to friends and family. It doesn't even matter if your friends and family like it or not. They're often not your potential customers. Mm. Number two, the second thing I look at is financial strain. Now, 
Every business is going to have ups and downs. We have had financial strain. We have had times where we, because we do a masterclass, we get a big injection of cash. And then that injection of cash funds, I guess, the rest of the business. It funds everyone's salaries. It funds, you know, the podcast. It funds the content. It's amazing. But it's something that happens a couple of times a year. It's not like people buy the masterclass every single week or month because we don't open it up that way. It's just the way that the company is structured. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win-win-win. To learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. However, if you find consistent lack of profitability or unsustainable financial losses, that is when I would say, hey, Sim, this is probably not working. What does that look like? I think the best way to describe it is financial strain to the point where you can't sleep easy at night. Mm. Everyone's going to go through financial strain. Everyone's going to have months where they wonder if they're going to be able to make it. There have been some companies that I know personally who have had to use credit cards to pay for their employees' wages because they just don't have the money, the cash Mm. flow, and yet they've been able to pull through. I think it's more case by case. If you have a big client that's about to sign on, this was Richard Branson's story. He was like, oh, my God, we want to sign I think it was Michael Jackson's sister. and Janet Jackson? Janet Jackson. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm not a big music person. <laughs> no, you're not. And that's okay. So Janet Jackson was going to get signed on by Virgin Records, but Virgin didn't have the money. Now, if they followed my criteria, they would have been like, well, we quit. We don't have done. the money. We're, we're done. Mm. But they were able to hustle somehow. And this is this is the stuff that gets me. Somehow they were able to hustle like $36 million from a bank in the US. And that was like very last minute. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Just something to think about when you get declined from your next VC investment. And you're like, interesting. Anyway, all that to say, it's one thing to have periods of financial strain. It's a different thing when 80% of the time you are really at your wit's end. You are using credit cards, you are getting loans, you are borrowing money from friends and family, you're getting like high interest loans from banks. And it's if it's constantly a stress and you're constantly in the negatives and you don't have something that is tangible to say, but when we sign this person or when we get this product or when we do this launch, it will work out. That is the second sign that mm-hmm. it might be time to reconsider. Okay. The third, which is probably one that I I don't know how I feel about it, but it's important to have is burnout. 
if you are in a business that is thriving and you are making a lot of money, but you are constantly burnt out, something's not thriving. Yeah. Because if you have to burn out to make a business do well, that just means you need to hire more people. It means you need more resources. Unsustainable. It is unsustainable. Just because you're making a profit, but you are working like a hundred hours a week, are you really making a profit? Because Mm. if you cut down to 40 hours, would that business still be making a profit? That is, you cannot spend the next five, 10 years operating that way. And so yes, burnout happens and I feel like I'm the poster child for it, which I have moved away from. I'm trying not to burn out. I'm doing things. Guys, I went to Fiji last week. Before we recorded, guys, she showed me her tan. I am like so proud of it. Sun-kissed. Sun-kissed. There is so much vitamin D. I just feel I'm live. I'm back. Beautiful. Rejuvenated rejuvenated old Simran like Simran this time two years ago would have been like I am stressed therefore I must work yeah when you told me you were in Fiji I was like that's my girl (laughs) and now I'm like you know what if I'm having a rough patch I need to do something about it (laughs) who thought what and if I can't take rest if I'm in a rough patch and I cannot take time out of my business that's a really bad sign it is going to mean that maybe it is time to quit Now, the next one is, I always get a bit hesitant to say this, it's stagnation, it is lack of growth or progress over an extended period of time. And the reason why I'm hesitant is Mm -hmm. because we live in a society in a world where normal progress feels like stagnation. The average business doesn't just have overnight success. No business does, if anything. It takes years, if not years of your first attempt, years of previous experience to then have the business that's successful. So Mm. I remember I was like mentoring a business owner, very similar business model to ours a couple of weeks ago. And she was saying, I just feel like we're not growing enough. To me, they're growing really quickly. To me, they have a thriving Instagram channel, a thriving podcast. They do amazing online courses. Like they are doing so well for themselves. And to hear them say, but we feel like we're not growing fast enough. That's not the person I'm talking to when I say if you're stagnating, quit. (laughs) Like we just need to take inventory. Usually if your business is growing 5 to 10% per year, that is extremely, extremely good. Year on year, if you feel like your revenue is increased by just 5%, that's fantastic. That's more than a lot of businesses. If you're increasing 10% a year, like the government are watching you because they're like, this is kind of crazy it's not normal and yet we look at businesses and we're like wow but we started off with 10,000 followers and we only hit 20,000 followers the next year you had a hundred percent growth rate Mm. calm down (laughs) it is nothing to be stressed about you are doing so so well but if you feel that you're not even having a one percent growth rate year on year and you've been doing this for three years that's when I'd start reconsidering okay Yeah, that's reasonable. And the last is a shift in vision. So a shift in vision is when your values of what your company does and your personal values change. That is a time to quit. So again, this can be like a company that has existed for a long time. You've done really well or it's underperforming and you just feel like your values change. A risk of mine, because I'm very candid, is... One day I'm worried I might wake up and say, hey, 
I want to live off the grid and I don't want my face on social media and I don't want to be known and I want to walk and just, I want to pull a Sonia and just like be off Mm. the grid Mm -hmm. because that girl is off the grid like nothing else. And Sonia can do it because it works for her. It is easy. We only need one person to be like, I guess the face of of GTI in terms of the socials and the workshops and things that we do. But if I had a change in value where I decided I don't want to share anything and I want to be anonymous, then that's not any more in line with the values of the company, which is very focused on being authentic and sharing a lot and being vulnerable. I mean, we share our salaries. We share how much income the company makes. If my value and the company's value changes, that's when I have to say one thing's going to change and I'm not going to change my personal values for a business. I'm going to have to let the business go. Mm. That's really interesting. And I think something that isn't often spoken about in terms of business, like you kind of think of giving up a business idea, it's because you're not bringing in any revenue, you know, it's unsustainable, but that whole, your values and your morals, because you're growing and then your business grows and it just, because I think everything is so closely entwined where exactly, especially with your GTI example, you can't keep the business growing as it is now. If you suddenly decide, I don't want to be on social media. I don't want to be the spokesperson for this. And so something has to change. It's kind of like when you meet people that are bankers, I don't know why bankers come up as an example so often, but like, or there'll be lawyers, like corporate lawyers, and they've done it for 10 years. And they're like, you know what? I just want to relax. I just want to be like a art therapist and I just want to have a different life and my focus has changed because my values have changed. Mm. I think it's really interesting that you've brought up the idea that we assume people quit businesses because it's not sustainable or it's not making money. Mm. But I think that comes from this idea that people only quit if it's bad or they, they only quit if it's not good enough or they only quit if there's not enough money. Mm. Quitting isn't failure. Quitting is not saying that this idea sucked or I wasn't smart enough or I wasn't good enough. You can have the world's most thriving business and there is some actual like real genuine beauty in saying this is enough for me. This is the end of this chapter. There is no shame. In fact, I think there's a lot of grace to leave and exit something and do it on your terms than be pushed out because you are burnt out, be pushed out because you don't have the finances or be pushed out because your values didn't in line with the business anymore and you made some really bad business decisions and you just feel icky because you've been doing things that you don't want to do because your value isn't in it anymore. I mean, do you think GTI would survive if I was like, I hate being on social media, but I'll do it for the brand? Like you'd feel it. Mm. Yeah, we definitely would. And on that same sentence, um, I think it's very normal when giving up just kind of most things in life, especially a business. How can people, I guess, overcome the feeling of failure when ending a business? Or like just quickly maybe a little process that people can go through to, yeah, to not feel like things are a failure. I have quit about a million business ideas and I've quit about five businesses and I've never looked at any of them as a failure, even like the sunglass company, even the other services that I have done. Even, do you remember that example where I was like, oh, I want to start a tutoring company. And then I just Mm. like didn't get a single tutee. I've never looked at any business that I've ever done and seen it as a failure because I just think 
it ended and that was a data point. Or if you want to call it failure, failure is a data point. Every single failure taught me something. And the difference between a version of Simran that never tried and therefore never failed and therefore didn't learn Mm. is going to be a very different Simran to the one that failed so many times, learned one really key skill from every failure, and then in her final, I guess, round of attempts – had all these data points and was like, okay, well, it has to be a business that I like because I didn't like that other one and I got bored. And it has to be a business that involves teaching because I did one business and it did fail because I never got a single student. <laughs> but I love, I realized I love teaching and yeah. I realized that's what I'm really good at and I got excited about it. You know, that like you just view your businesses shutting down as this smart decision. Shutting down a business is a business decision and it's a intelligent business decision and not everyone is smart enough to do it at the right time. So when you do decide to shut it down, rather than seeing it as a failure of like, oh my God, it wasn't successful. What will people think? I put myself out there. I told everyone about it and now it's gone. See it as I did something that has taught me all these new skills. And the next time I try this, it's going to be even better. It might still fail, but I'm going to keep going up this ladder of failures until I reach the thing that works. Because that is how Every single successful business owner has made their business. And why would I be the exception to the rule? No one gets it right on the first time. And if they get it right on the first time, they struggle to maintain their businesses because they don't have experience of failure. And then they end up failing because they suck at like one thing going wrong. They don't have the the grit to get through any small hurdles. Hmm. That's very insightful. Thank you. I need you to fail fast and I need you to fail often. Oh, I love that. Failing forward. Failing forward. Yes. Now, if you're listening to this episode and you're like, okay, I'm starting to get it. It's Mm -hmm. coming together. It's making sense. But I'm just so unsure of if I should quit my business or not. What do I do? There are a few other options very quickly available. If you don't want to quit your business, you can also sell on your business. And you might say, well, I've got nothing to sell. There's no products, there's no services. You have an email list. And with Mm. the permission of your email list, you can sell that to another company. You can transfer that open. That is valuable. You have a social media account. Even if that has like 200 followers, 100 followers, someone else might be willing to transition that into theirs. Maybe it's not for monetary value, but there could be something in there that you can break your company apart and give and help other people. Maybe you get no cash for it, but you build a relationship with this person and say, hey, I'd love to give you this from my business. I know it's not a lot. It's probably not worth a lot in terms of cash, but can I just like take you out for coffee and learn how you grew your business? That's still something you're going to gain. And so I just believe that I honestly, I've just never seen failure as a bad thing. I think Mm, you can't get anywhere without it. Yeah. And it's just, I don't, view it as failure I view it as learning lessons like all of the adversity that I've gone through the challenging times and all of that kind of stuff yes they were challenging yes maybe some things I wish didn't happen but I learned something new from everything and that is truly invaluable 
I love that. I think that's a beautiful place to wrap up the episode. If you have wondered if you should quit your business, there are a few things that you can think about. Again, I think the main takeaway from this episode is it doesn't have to be a failing business to quit. There are so many reasons why people quit. It is so graceful to quit. And failure is a beautiful thing. I have more respect, I think, for the person that has failed than the person that never tried Mm. but was criticizing Mm -hmm you know, the failure of someone else, because if you can't try it, you don't really have, I think, any leg to stand on. It's just a personal belief. I know it's a bit harsh, but anyway, I hope you have enjoyed this episode. I hope that if there's anything that you've been able to take away that you could please share it on your Instagram story, send it to a friend that could maybe do with a few more failures in their life, maybe could grow a little bit through it. It's a very interesting journey. And with that, I'll see you next week, Maya. Kakite. Bye. Bye. And as always, to finish off with our disclaimer, Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. Alrighty, till next time team. Bye.